Hello and welcome to the 56th episode of Adam Alonzi's podcast. Tonight we will be discussing telomeres, senolytics, and an exciting anti-aging experiment beginning soon. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We're talking about senescent cells and how that is, well, senescent cell clearance and how that's such a popular approach to delaying or reversing aging right now. But you have an interesting take on that, a little bit different. I, I do. Um, I, I'm not exactly certain what you mean by it being really popular. It's uh, definitely uh, recent, okay? Recent. Uh, uh, discussions for some reason, but it's actually something that, you know, we were talking about, I want to say in the 19, early 1990s, okay, um, doing of getting rid of senescent cells. The issues back then are still not resolved yet. So I still don't really know how well removing senescent cells is going to work. But one of the concerns that we had when I was still at Geron Corporation was there was a lot of suggestions that, uh, and I don't want to say peer-reviewed data unless I actually had it in front of me and I'd have to go find it if there is such data. But let's say right now there's a suggestion that when a human gets to be 90 years old, 90% of their skin cells are already senescent. Uh, And if you treat that person with something that's going to kill all the senescent cells, that just might kill the person. Senescence in humans is almost certainly caused by telomere shortening, whereas senescence in like mouse cells seems to have nothing to do with telomere shortening. Using antioxidants will take mouse cells out of senescence and, or at least prevent them from ever entering senescence, whereas uh, uh, antioxidants have no effect on human cells grown in a petri dish. Uh, they still go into the senescence or Hayflick limit, what we could call it. But now lengthening telomeres in human cells does allow cells to come out of senescence and prevents them from going into senescence. Whereas lengthening telomeres in mouse cells and cultures don't. You'll never find a single paper on the planet where anybody demonstrated uh, that the Hayflick limit was abolished in mouse cells by uh, using telomerase. So mouse, that's one of the main things that I always talk about, about mouse and mice and humans being very different. There was a company back in the 1990s, maybe early 2000s in China called um, DNA. That was the name of their company. And they had uh, reported a lot of data on this uh, back then. And I wish they still existed. <laughs> maybe they changed their names, but I've been unable to find any evidence of that since then. But I remember talking with the president of that company a long time ago, and clearly senescence in uh, mouse cells was very different than senescence in human cells. I definitely agree that eliminating senescent cells in mouse cells, in mice, uh, provides significant health advantages to those mice and they live longer. I'm not saying it's not going to work in humans, but I am waiting for the proof or at least support of concept in humans that says it's going to work. And, and you know, petri dishes aren't going to be sufficient to get support or proof of concept. It's got to be actually 
in a human. And it could be something like just human skin. And for instance, uh, 20 plus years ago, uh, when we were first trying to do support and proof of concept for lengthening telomeres and telomeres, uh, Walter Funk did a, an experiment where he lengthened telomeres in human skin that was grown on the back of a mouse. Now, it'd be nice to see a similar experiment done like that with uh, um, uh, senolytics drugs and stuff. But, you know, um, we'll have to see. So I, I've, I've really got some reservations about it, but I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful because we all need something to, to get rid of senolytic or senescent cells. But getting rid of the senescent cells is still going to require that other cells divide to replace those cells. And that's true in mouse or humans. And in, at least in humans, when those cells divide to replace those senescent cells, telomeres are going to get shorter as a result of the cell division. And so the bottom line is, no matter what we do, uh, whether it's killing senescent cells or, or let's say removing senescent cells instead of killing them, but it's probably one and the same, removing senescent cells or taking antioxidants or in decreasing inflammation, all those things, we're still going to die of, of, of uh, aging-related things because of telomere shortening. Telomeres do shorten, have no way of stopping it yet. Uh, there are some things that will slow it down. Uh, gene therapy is the only thing that's been shown to stop it, and that's only been demonstrated in a Petri dish so far. Um, but uh, uh, our, hopefully our clinical study coming up will show that we can actually do this in whole humans. But there's a lot of, still a lot of steps along the way that have to be co uh, completed. So you know, we're, we're treating our first patient May 1st, but I'm still still looking at every step of the process. You know, we have to show that the gene therapy does infect the cells. We have to show that the gene, when it gets into the cells, produces telomerase. We have to then show that the telomerase inside the cell causes the telomeres to get longer. Then we can start asking the question. So we got to first address all those other issues. And hopefully the first patient, everything will work beautifully. But so far, we don't have anything <clears throat> that... Uh, we can use for proof of concept uh, in any kind of like uh, cure for aging. Bottom line is, is you know, uh, I think sen killing senescent cells will work if we can lengthen telomeres, okay, at the same time. So I think it's going to be something that's in conjunction that if just killing senescent cells uh, might allow us to be a little healthier, live a little bit longer, but even with the perfect lifestyle and the perfect genetics, and uh, even if you lived in a bubble that was resistant to meteors and earthquakes, uh, and you never got infected with anything, um, you're still, your lifespan is still limited to 125 years maximum because of telomere shortening. So, um, and, and I, I, I believe that a lot of things, I, I mean, I personally do just about everything imaginable, including some senolytic drugs uh, like quercetin and stuff. But uh, hmm. I, uh, uh, I, I uh, uh, don't believe that, that that's going to do any more than just uh, make me a little bit healthier longer. Okay. In terms of long, let's see, what is the term? Super longevity or uh, there's another radical life extension and health extension um, that's going to require, uh, among probably other things, it's going to require 
a way to keep telomeres from shortening and at least lengthening telomeres. I mean, I believe that we have a lot of things that cause us to age. Um, <clears throat> I'm just saying that one of them is absolutely, without a doubt, telomere shortening. So we have to we have to solve all of the causes of aging uh, in order to actually ex extend our lifespan. So so telomeres. So nobody's going to live beyond 125 years unless we solve the telomere shortening problem, and nobody's going to even come close to living 125 years if we are suffering from all the other things like bad genetics and poor lifestyles and uh, <clears throat> driving our cars off cliffs and et cetera. Um, so so it's, it's, uh, it's not just telomeres, it's just telomeres is just one of the things, but there is a chance, uh, and I think nothing else can really say this, there is a chance that lengthening telomeres might actually have control over all the other things too, uh, but we don't know. I mean, it's like that's a long shot, but I'm at least I'm uh, cognizant of that possibility. Sure, we have seven deadly sins. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, there's like some people say seven, seven causes of aging. I believe there's even more than that. Um, mm. There's the Aubrey's sevens seven different things I, I believe in all of them and i believe there could even be more um but uh that's sure that's all, all i can say right now there's i i'm <clears throat> i'm not somebody who's who says i bet you this is how aging is going to occur or this thing i believe there's i just focus on the data so when we have the the data that really shows us one thing or another uh that's when I start saying, okay, here's what I believe is going to cure aging. And of course, ferreting out causality in an extremely complex system is no easy task. No, no it's, that's exactly right. Um, the, uh, but I, I do believe that our clinical study that's starting, our first patient's getting treated May 1st. I believe that this clinical study is going to be a great opportunity to unravel a lot of that mystery and questions that we have. So tell me a little bit more, well, what you can tell me about it. About the clinical study? Yes. Okay. So, so the clinical study is using a gene therapy. Um, uh, it's the, vector for delivering the gene is called adeno-associated virus. Of course, it's not really a virus. It's a, it's, it's, it's uses uh, systems that are obtained from the real adeno-associated virus to actually deliver genes. That's what viruses normally do. They, they infect a cell, and when they infect the cell, they actually deposit a gene inside the cells uh, that usually wreaks havoc. But in our case, the gene that's being delivered is the telomerase gene. And the telomerase gene is on a uh, like a super on switch. <laughs> uh, so like you know genes are turned on and off like dimmer switches. Ours is like super super on. So when the gene gets into our the cells, it produces a lot of telomerase and lengthens telomeres. Works really well in vitro. Um, similar studies by other labs doing this in mice have been extremely successful. Mostly engineered mice because. As I said, mice don't really age by telomere shortening. 
um, but uh, I think you can do things like accelerate. You can cause telomere shortening by bad lifestyles in mice and stuff, but uh, uh, the best studies were done by Dr. Rhonda Pennell, where he engineered mice that actually did age by telomere shortening. Uh, and uh, uh, he was able to show that using gene therapy that uh, he could lengthen the telomeres and the mice lived uh, significantly longer. Um, they still succumbed to their other mechanisms of aging, such as oxidative stress and mitochondria dysfunction. But at least he, before that, he saw that their aging got reversed in every way imaginable. So, so I think that's not even, well, it's not proof of concept, but support a concept for the idea that this might work in humans. And we're, and we're trying it in humans for the very first time. I mean, and I mentioned that Dr. Walter Funk did this in human skin cells grown on the back of a mouse and got the same result. So again, it, it's support, just short of proof of concept that this is something that will work in humans. But the, our first patients being treated uh, May 1st, uh, our best guess is that it requires a lot of gene therapy uh, to get into the cells of the body. Uh, uh, the particular vector AAV is not very uh, infectious. Uh, it, uh, it requires a lot of viruses to get one cell infected. So in our best calculations, we've determined how much a person needs to be treated with. Uh, and we, we hired a firm to culture that much of it. And they started last August and only finished the culture just last week. So we only just now finally got um, uh, enough of the gene therapy to treat one person once. Uh, it required a 2000 liter bioreactor uh, to do this. Uh, cells, human cells had to be grown in the bioreactor, then they had to be infected with the gene therapy. Lots of uh, gene therapy was produced after culturing the cells for a while. and and. I, it's, I, I simplified the process tremendously uh, just now, but, but it essentially explains why we have to, uh, why it takes so long and why it takes uh, large cultures to produce this gene therapy. But we do have the gene therapy right now. Um, my lab is expecting to receive uh, a small aliquot of the gene therapy today uh, so that we can begin our QC quality control studies to verify that uh, the uh, gene therapy that was produced is still as good as the gene therapy that was used uh, to initiate the culture. So uh, a lot of times when you grow large cultures, you can have events occur in that culture that might uh, sway things. So we just have to verify that. If, if everything looks good, it should take us a week, maybe two weeks to actually complete the quality controls, uh, then we're ready to go into humans. Uh, and that that's, uh, uh, that's as I said, should be May first, and then we'll then we'll be able to ask a lot of questions. But we're doing a lot of we we actually accounted last time we have 161 biomarkers of aging that we're testing. Uh, so uh, you know everything and everything we're <laughs> everything imaginable is being tested, uh, including like NAD levels and things like that, because that's also another real popular thing lately. But mm -hmm. Uh, we're looking at sirtuins, we're looking at, you know, just about uh, different hormone levels. Everything that everybody's ever said decreases with aging, we're going to be measured to see if it increases. Uh, <clears throat> we're also doing um, physical and visual and mental and 
uh, uh, studies. Um, we're doing, uh, uh, and we're also doing studies, for instance, <laughs> just to verify that when we inject the uh, gene therapy into the body, we want to verify that the person's immune system doesn't destroy it almost instantly, because uh, you know nothing matters. <laughs> the study is completely pointless if if the gene therapy gets destroyed the second it gets into the blood. Uh, and we're taking precautions there. We're, we're testing people beforehand to see if they have such an immune response. And if so, uh, we're, we have ways of uh, preventing that or at least decreasing the uh, chances of it occurring. But you know, first we have to show that the gene therapy survives in the blood. Then we have to show that it actually does infect the cells. So we have tests for that. Then we have to show that once it infected cells, it produced telomerase. We have tests for that. Then we have to show that uh, once the cells produce telomerase, does it actually lengthen the telomeres? A lot of, there's been a lot of studies where people have gotten telomerase activity in cells, but the telomeres didn't get longer for one reason or another. So we have mm -hmm. to verify that the telomeres got longer. Uh, then if we verify that the telomeres get longer, then we can start asking, did this provide any health benefits to the human being treated? Um, the first patient actually is suffering from severe Alzheimer's. Um, he was diagnosed, uh, I think, over six years ago now. Uh, and my experience with people that have Alzheimer's is that it's pretty hard to live beyond six years once you've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So it's a 100% fatal disease. The mouse studies done by Rhonda Pinnell uh, have strong evidence that uh, there might be a reversal of uh, essentially Alzheimer's or dementia uh, in, the, in those mice. Uh, their brain sizes got bigger, certain brain functions came back, suggesting the possibility that Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia might not actually be the loss of memory, it might be just loss of access to the memory. So I'm hoping if that's true, that we will see that this person actually recovers from uh, his Alzheimer's. And, you know, it's like, I, I, don't, I don't believe we should ever treat any humans unless that human's gonna be provided with some health benefits but if it doesn't if it doesn't work uh, for treating Alzheimer's at least we will have data suggesting that it has some age reversal effects on in other ways and that's why I said we're we're testing a, a bunch of you know 161 different biomarkers of aging so so news should come out we, we because we're venturing into the unknown we've never done this before we don't know how long it's gonna to take to see effects. So we are checking like even under a week after treatment to look for anything. And then we're going way after a year too. We're, we're doing like one day, three days, nine days, 27 days, 81 days, up to a year and testing and stuff. And then even after a year, we plan on monitoring the patient for the rest of their lives. Now, there is a rumor that's, unvalidated and, and actually I think the exact opposite of what's really true that telomerase causes cancer uh, and so as a result we are monitoring the patient for cancer before as a pretest and all the way through uh, I think one of the things that Dr. Rhonda Pinnell wanted to do in his classic experiment of age reversal in mice is he was actually looking to see that these mice got cancer he was a believer that telomerase caused cancer lengthening telomeres caused cancer. And he was 
he thought he'd be seeing telomeres, uh, these mice getting cancer. But that was his, all his research was about. I mean, he, he wasn't an anti-aging scientist looking to cure aging. Uh, he treated the mice, to, I, I believe, of course, I haven't asked him about this, but I believe he was actually trying to show that telomerase was going to give these mice high incidence of cancer, and it did the exact opposite. Uh, it made them younger and decreased incidence of cancer, uh, which is what I've always predicted, even when I was still at Geron Corporation, that the thing that causes cancer at a high rates is short telomeres. Uh, when telomeres get really short, mutations and chromosome rearrangements occur, at very high rates. And uh, those are the things that causes cancer. And it's also the thing that causes our cancers to survive whatever you treat them with. So I believe that the best way to fight cancer is actually to lengthen telomeres with telomerase. And if a cancer actually gets bigger than the size of like the, a small mole on your skin, let's say, uh, that, that cancer has already mutated because of short telomeres almost certainly, mutated to produce telomerase to keep telomeres long. Or it has mutated to use another pathway called the ALT pathway, ALT, alternate, alternate, alternative lengthening of telomeres. And there's probably more than one mechanism involved there to do that. So only 85 to 90% of all cancers actually produce telomerase to lengthen telomeres. The rest of them do it by this other pathway. But I don't believe either one of those pathways would occur if the telomeres had been kept long. Um, and because short telomeres do have a high incidence of, of causing uh, mutations that can lead to cancer. So we're testing for that too. Um, I know that there was a person, there was a one uh, nat uh, natural product telomerase inducer on the market uh, that some person claimed that uh, it gave them cancer. Uh, and there was a lawsuit against it, the company selling the product. Uh, but uh, it turned out, and I was actually uh, asked to be a, a expert witness on the study. And I was gonna expi actually explain that it's unlikely that that, that that telomerase inducer caused cancer. But before I ever had a chance to say anything, the, the patient, the guy's own doctor got on the stand and said that he had cancer before he even started taking the, the um, uh, telomerase inducer. So that kind of like ended that. And, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why we want to test these people for cancer by various tests and, and most notably just doing a PET CT scan uh, to detect cancer before the patient actually gets treated. Now, I believe if we do find that the patient does have cancer, Lengthening telomeres is one of the best way to help fight that cancer because it helps the immune system, boosts the immune system to be able to fight the cancer. Immune, immune deficiency, such as it, lots of different forms of immune deficiency. The most famous one, of course, is AIDS, acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Um, <clears throat> now that that's that's the most common form. No, no one, ever, most people know about, but immune deficiencies can be caused by a whole bunch of different things, and in almost all cases, it's it's due to short telomeres in, in certain immune cells. So um, so when people get cancer uh, and their immune system can't fight it, you find a lot of times that the immune cells got short telomeres and that's why they can't fight the cancer anymore, but lengthening telomeres in the immune cells should be a way to fight the cancer. Now, if you if you have a cancer that is, that is um, totally negative for telomerase or any method of lengthening telomeres, 
uh, and you produce telomerase in just those cancer cells, yes, that will make that cancer more viable. And people talk about that all the time as a way, something that causes cancer, but it's gonna be really rare to find such a cancer. And plus, it, it's like if you provide telomerase to just cancer cells and not the rest of the body, that's like giving Osama bin Laden weapons and taking the weapons away from the rest of the world. Okay, it's, it's and of course, Osama bin Laden is gonna win, but the key is that we have to provide the rest of the world with weapons, uh, though I'm not, I'm not into guns and things like that, but the analogy I think fits. And, and just, just uh, in the same way, we have to provide the rest of our body with weapons against the cancer. Uh, and our immune cells are our best weapons, and but they fail if they don't have long telomeres. So we have to provide uh, telomerase activity to all the cells, especially the immune cells, not just the uh, cancer cells. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I often compare. I mean, there, there's there's some legitimate models for how lengthening telomeres in cancer cells will increase that cancer survival and stuff, but I always compare it to, you know, we can die from car crashes and we can die from airplane crashes, but our, our ability to die from airplane crashes is far reduced relative to car crashes, but still people complain, I'm not gonna fly in a plane, I'd rather drive across the country. And so it's, even though their chances of dying in a car crash are far greater than their chances of dying in an airline crash, uh, it's, it's still, um, something that people do. And I, I think this, whether you, you produce telomerase or not produce telomerase is the same thing. Um, <clears throat> producing telomerase is like flying in an airplane, whereas not producing telomerase is like driving in a car across country. So it, it's, but it, I think it's even less, I think the chances of getting cancer from producing telomerase in cells is even far, far less than the airplane versus uh, car uh, analogy that I just used. Uh, right, and it always seemed peculiar to me to see so many commenters on the internet trying to claim there's some kind of causal link between telomerase activation and cancer. It's, uh, well, another it's misconception, similar. another misunderstanding about telomerase is that, and lengthening telomeres is, is that somewhere along the line, somebody spread a rumor that Lengthening, lengthening telomeres causes cells to divide. And that's not true at all, okay? Lengthening telomeres has no effect on cell division unless you're treating senescent cells. But if you're treating other cells, it does not cause the cells to start to divide. It just provides the opportunity for the cells to divide if they decide they want to, okay? And so, so I compare it to ride tickets at an amusement park all the time. You know, your mother gives you a certain number of tickets uh, and you go ride the rides, but every time you ride a ride, which is, let's say, riding a ride is like a cell dividing. Every time you ride a ride or your cell divides, you lose one ticket. Uh, and <clears throat> so you go on another ride or you have another cell division, you lose another ticket. Eventually you run out of tickets. Well, if your mother then provides you with more tickets, that doesn't force you to go on more rides, okay? you still only go on the rides if you want to, okay? And so lengthening telomeres is not gonna cause cells to divide if they're not already planning on dividing, okay? Like, and especially cancer cells. If you have mutations in a cell, if you have a lot of mutations, provide, lengthening telomeres isn't gonna cause those cells to divide. 
you have to have mutations that um, cause the cells to divide, and those would be different than the telomerase. Yeah, it's it's a it's just a, a frustrating thing that there's so many misconceptions or misunderstandings about cancer and stuff. And you know, I, I was in 1997, I was second place for National Inventor of the Year by the United States Patent Office uh, for um, my research in cancer. So it, it's like I do have a strong background in cancer, and some of the people spreading these rumors have very little or only very recent uh, backgrounds in cancer. Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that there's this bad uh, press going around that's, that's absolutely based on uh, uh, hearsay more than anything else. No data whatsoever. There's not been a single study that's ever been done where anybody treated, provided a way for cells to produce telomerase that they showed that those cells became cancer. Never, there's not a single scientific peer-reviewed study ever. I can't even think of any non-scientific peer-reviewed studies that have shown that. Well, it sounds like they don't even have a background in high school biology if they think telomeres are forcing cells to divide. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people, including myself, uh, when I was in high school and even college biology, uh, even graduate school biology, we didn't know anything about telomeres and their role in cell division or, or uh, you know, their, their, how they, they affected the Hayflick limit. Back when I was in college and, and graduate school, I knew about the Hayflick limit, but at that time there was no data at all suggesting that it had anything to do with telomeres. That, the earliest that that suggestion came about, I think was 1990. Uh, and that's long after I, uh, 10 years after I got my PhD, where Cal Harley uh, and uh, Richard Alsop, I think, published a paper showing that, uh, or hypothesizing that uh, uh, telomeres uh, played a role in cancer and aging. So. Okay, but in 1990, I hadn't quite been born yet. So <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's see, it's, it's it's us old people that have to be more concerned about uh, telomere length than anybody else because uh, you're still at an age where evolution has uh, been doing a great service to keeping you healthy, but after you have raised your young, uh, there's no evolutionary advantage for you staying around any longer. So we have all these things that start falling falling apart. And people say, well, how come we haven't evolved to prevent those kind of things? And the reason is because there's actually no advantage to doing that if, once you've raised your young, because the only, and evolution just wants us to pass on our genes and shuffle our genes, so increase our chances of surviving a, a rapidly changing environment. And, mm. and after you've raised your young, there's no evolutionary advantage to the human race or any other animal species to uh, uh, living longer. In fact, the exact opposite is true, which is one of the explanations why we even evolved an aging process. Once you have raised your young, you're just in the way. You actually become competition. If your cognitive abilities don't decline or your physical abilities don't decline, there's no way the young could ever compete with you because of your uh, uh, experience, previous experience. And so, uh, you know, in, in a, let's say when we're pre-humans, still probably in, in some type of primate stage or even prior to that, um, 
the if we didn't knock off the old, uh, the young would never have been able to breed and shuffle their genes uh, and uh, uh, increase the chances of surviving the rapidly changing environment. So, so the chances of species surviving was increased by knocking off the old. And in the case of humans, we did that by shutting off telomerase. And uh, mice did it by uh, decreasing their oxidative stress or increasing their oxidative stress, uh, decreasing the uh, production of antioxidants, natural antioxidants, and and uh, and making the mitochondria unhealthy. Um, let's see, uh, Richard Cutler, you know, published I want to say 20, 30 years ago that the levels of antioxidants in humans is a hundred times higher than the level of natural right. antioxidants in mice. So it's uh, so humans humans are mostly uh, driven by uh, telomer aging, whereas mice are mostly driven by oxidative stress and uh, mitochondria dysfunction aging. Sure. And without going too far into evolutionary biology. Yeah, I think we can wrap it up. Well, actually, let me make a, a few comments that I usually close all my presentations with. Um, the, uh, you know, lengthening telomeres isn't the only thing we have to do. It's, there's a lot of things that we can do to keep ourselves healthy right now. And I, like, I always believe and say that the number one cause of aging and declining health is actually inflammation. Uh, so reducing inflammation is one of the most important things that we could be doing and I, my, you know, the person that I follow the most is uh, Dr. Uh, Caldwell Esselstyn, E-S-S-E-L-T-Y-S-T-Y-N. Um, and he's published a book called uh, Prevent and Reverse Cardiovascular Disease, or Heart Disease, I think it is. And he is... It's it's a book really on inflammation and how to reduce inflammation in every way imaginable. Uh, and it's a book that I highly recommend people read. Uh, I follow it uh, to the letter. Uh, then there's another book uh, called The Kaufman Protocol, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N, -N, uh, written by Dr. Sandra Kaufman, which I think is the best book ever written on the things you can do with, with supplements and adjuvants that you can take uh, to slow down uh, your aging process. Now, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to reverse anything's going to reverse aging in that one, but but boy, just slowing it down is a key thing. Uh, and so this this book is, I think, the best book ever written. I I treat it like a Bible. <laughs> I I uh, I'm not religious, but I I call it a Bible in the sense that I I refer to it all the time to keep up on my particular regimen of supplements and stuff. And then I also, you know, uh, even though there's a lot of things that induce inflammation in all of us, there are some things that induce inflammation in only some of us. Uh, and so everybody's different. And so I recommend uh, that people get their blood tested uh, by a company called Alcat, A-L-C-A-T. Actually, the company's name is not Alcat. The test is called Alcat, A-L-C-A-T. The company's called Cell Systems uh, something. <laughs> uh, but they're they're in South Florida, and uh, so is uh, Sandra Kaufman. She's in South Florida. Uh, Esselstyn is up in, I think, uh, Ohio. Um, the uh, uh, But uh, people can do the Alcat test. They 
send their blood in and they'll get the results telling them what foods actually induce inflammation in them. And so they just have to stop eating those foods. Uh, and I think, and I get that test done like every six months because it changes. Uh, and sometimes when you avoid food for a long time, you, your immune system doesn't uh, recognize it anymore and you can go back to eating it. Uh, but sometimes new things form and so you have to suppress those. But I think doing things to reduce inflammation is important. That's Caldwell Esselstyn and uh, Alcat and then other things to do to, to uh, supplements and stuff like that is the Kaufman protocol. So I highly recommend people read those. I wrote all of those down and I'll be including links to them in the podcast post. So I probably run out of things to say. No, not at all. No, we have not run out of things to talk about, but we have run out of time. For those who are interested in learning more, links to Sierra Sciences and to some of the works mentioned in this podcast can be found on alonzipodcast.com or on Podbean. Thank you for listening and enjoy your evening.